An entitled Karen and her kids make all kinds of noise at 2 in the morning while everybody's trying to get some sleep on the ferry ride back to our destination. And after I tell those kids to please be quiet, this entitled Karen gets offended, demanding that I never talk to her kids like that ever again. And I have seriously never been more annoyed by a person and their kids in my life. Here's what happened. So I've just come back from a coach trip from the UK to Disneyland Paris. It was a wonderful trip, apart from one family family who decided they could do whatever they wanted with no consequence. To set the scene, me and my two friends have just arrived at the bus stop and are waiting for the coach. In front of us is a family of four adults and three children. There's a young girl around the age of 10, a boy who is also about 10 years old, and a teenage boy. All three are sat on the floor and are attempting to play a card game. However, the girl is screaming at the top of her lungs, telling the other kids how to play the game. The adults tried to intervene once, got sworn at by the children and then gave up. Me and my friends exchanged glances before resorting to sending each other memes silently just so we could voice our discontent. Luckily, we were seated in the front of the coach and the family was in the back. We could still hear the girl yelling all the way, but we let it slide because, hey, we're going to Disneyland and they're probably just excited. We went on to have a wonderful couple of days in Disneyland, completely forgetting that this family even existed. That is, until it was time to come home. You see, dear reader, we are broke. So we had to book a coach that left Disney at 8 o'clock at night and arrived back in London at 4.30 a.m. So with that in mind, it's a given that you would want to sleep on the coach. Well, as we waited for our coach to come and collect us, there we were once again reminded of that child's ear-piercing scream as well as her shrieks. And this came about as she ran around the car park in front of the cars while the adults once again did absolutely nothing. My friends and I exchanged worried glances, but this was honestly only the beginning. Once on the coach, people started pulling out neck pillows and blankets, ready in some kind of attempt to try and sleep. But not that family. They talked loudly about their trip and complained that the driver hadn't put on the radio so that we could listen. People were already grumbling but the family paid them no mind. Once we reached for a certain point, it got worse. The driver asked for a volunteer to collect everybody's passports and to bring them to the front. One of the adults and the girl's mother volunteered and had to sit at the front with the driver, all while sorting out the passports. Well, this entitled child thought this was an invitation to run up and down the aisle between her parents, before loudly demanding that her mother sing happy birthday in Welsh. This was at midnight, by the way, and it was honestly just about as annoying as you possibly could imagine, but it only got worse. After Border Control had checked out her passports, the mother decided to hand some of them to her children, but that wasn't good enough for the little girl, who kept screaming at her mom to give her more. Apparently, no was not a word she could understand, and she simply kept screaming. Even when people started stating that they were not comfortable with these stupid brats handling their passports, these bratty, entitled children still got to hand them out. And then we finally boarded the ferry at 1.30 in the morning, and we were finally ready for a quiet crossing. But you know what? We were wrong again. Initially, my friends and I sat in an area with a kid's play area, but we quickly realized and relocated to a quieter area of the ship, so we could try and grab some kind of sleep. People around us were sprawled out on benches with blankets over their heads, and mothers had sleeping children in their laps. We found a quiet corner and we started to doze off. And that's when we heard it. That same piercing shrieking, all from that one stupid girl. They were running up and down the length of the ship, shouting and screeching as they went. People were even being startled awake every single time they went by. Other children were beginning to cry because they were so tired. The teenage boy was literally winding 
up the younger two, making them shout even more. The adults of the group were absolutely nowhere to be seen. Eventually, I snapped. After a particularly piercing shriek, I yelled out, Quiet, please. It is 2 o'clock in the morning, and people are trying to sleep. Several other murmurs of agreement surrounded me. They went silent, looked at me, and then ran off. Now, I knew what was coming. We all knew. Because in marched one of the adults. Not the mother, just another one of the adults. She looked at me and said, What did you say to the kids? And she said this quite loudly at that. I explained that I told them to be quiet, and that there are people trying to sleep. I then gestured to the people groggily emerging from their blankets to see what the commotion was. This entitled Karen then looks at me and says, If you've got a problem, speak to an adult. Don't shout at the kids. So I rebuttal by saying, Well, where are you? She then points and says, Down there. They were literally at the opposite end of the ship. So I said, Why were you not with them? And that's when this stupid lady said something really dumb. She said, They're hyper. Kids are gonna be hyper. But I doubled down and said that it's 2 o'clock in the morning and people are trying to sleep. She went on to say again that I should have come and talked to them, but I explained how am I supposed to know who you were and where you would be. I don't even know who these kids are. She eventually leaves after saying, whatever, just don't shout at kids. And then they left. Was it the end? Oh no. They continued their shrieking and running. When we attempted to find the adults as they had requested, they had moved and were nowhere to be found again. The girl also tried to stare at me a couple of times. I think she was trying to intimidate me, which honestly was laughable. Eventually, the ferry trip came to an end and I waited until the last possible second to get back on the coach so that they wouldn't have to walk past me. I was thanked several times by fellow ferry passengers in both French and English for my attempts to shut up those stupid entitled kids. Those are awful parents. Like what kind of parent would just let their kid run up and down a ship literally at 2 in the morning? Like what are you doing? You need to put them to bed and have them sleep even just in some kind of way. Like everyone's tired from going to Disneyland and no one wants to deal with your stupid kid. And maybe if those entitled parents were better parents in the first place, those entitled kids wouldn't be running around at 2 in the morning. If you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably going to love Am I the Genius. Check it out, link down below in the description. My entitled boss demands that I stop doing a certain aspect of my job. And as a result of me not doing this very specific thing, everything starts to go wrong in the office altogether. Here's what happened. So back in my college days in the early 90s, I got a job at my college's Alumni Communications Center. In reality, it's just a call center where college students work to ask the low-giving alumni for money. So I, as a sophomore, worked in data entry. A quick sidebar, we also had a couple of call coaches who were seniors who would monitor the calls and give them feedback on how to do a better job at asking alumni for money. Typically, donations in the $100 to $250 range was pretty much what we asked for. When callers made a call, they recorded the outcome of the call on a sheet of paper. I would then collect these sheets and then go to the sole computer in the caller center and record all the data. Most of the results I entered would be no answer or left a message on a voice machine. Sometimes we got a donation, so I would enter the caller outcome into the computer. Then the alumni department would generate a donation envelope that would then be mailed out so that the check could come back to us in a timely manner. Now, about 10% of the donations would be by credit card. And at the end of the night, after the callers left, I would spend about 30 minutes processing the credit cards through the dial-up credit card machine. I did this without issue for two months, from September all the way to October. But it's right about then when Karen, the new boss lady over the call center, comes into the scene. She finally notices the 30 extra minutes on my timesheet each day and asks me about it sometime in late 
October, I tell her that I process the credit cards that everyone leaves for the night. I state that that's how I was trained by the previous data entry person, and that is typically what I've been doing since I started. This upsets this entitled Karen, who says that I am far too young to be handling credit card information. She then makes it clear that I am to stick to my job of only entering the caller's data, period. End of story. She wanted me to be a data entry clerk only. She simply did not want me to handle any money, as the money is only to be handled by the grown-ups. And to be perfectly clear, these were credit card numbers handwritten on a sheet of paper. Absolutely no cash money was involved on my end. And so with this condescending Karen basically grilling me, I stopped processing the credit card donations. I set them in a pile at the end of the night right by the credit card machine. And with each passing night, the pile grows bigger and bigger. By the end of November, this pile was maybe 250 pages thick. It also wasn't my job to ask who it is that was processing these credit card sheets. Since the month ended and no credit cards were processed, Karen absolutely failed to hit her fundraising goals. She starts to berate the call coaches and the callers for not doing a good enough job. This entitled Karen starts spending more time in the call center, watching everything and everyone like a hawk. And I just continue to do exactly what I was told to do. One day, just to try and get us motivated, she would offer a prize of some sort, like a college hat. And then the next day, we would get a long lecture about how everyone else shouldn't be lazy. Over the course of December, I keep adding to the pile of unprocessed credit cards. And by this point, it's about 500 pages thick. Compared to the massive piles of sheets of no answers and left a message, it isn't very noticeable. Eventually and naturally, someone in the alumni department has noticed that the donations coming in are down by about 25% over November and December. This results in me coming back from Christmas break where I get met by a new boss over the call center. He asks if my job includes processing credit cards and I told him that the entitled Karen before him told me not to do it but I was trained to process them. In fact, I'm the only one in this center that has ever been trained to process them. So he says, okay, that's fine. Go ahead and keep processing them. My new boss asks if there's any unprocessed credit card sheets and I say, oh yeah, there definitely are. He then asks me if I could get this done over the next couple of weeks. So I tell them, absolutely, I can do this no problem. I then spent several hours over a couple of Saturdays processing all the credit cards. And as a result, my new boss had the absolute best January ever in the history of the call center. And because this guy was shining and did such a good job, at the end of the day, I ended up getting a raise from him, which is probably the nicest thing he could have done, especially when you consider how awful my former boss was. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wow, the way your former boss was acting was really weird. I mean, you're a college student. You absolutely can handle credit card information. I mean, there are teenagers who handle that information no problem. So why would you not be able to properly handle that? I mean, you've been doing that well before that Karen entered the picture. So why wouldn't you be able to do it now? She literally just made problems for herself. And you know what? If I was in your shoes, I would have left the same stack for that lady to figure out because she clearly didn't know what she was doing and it was only a matter of time before it all came crashing down 
on her. My boyfriend asked me if his female friend could move in with us, and I'm really hesitant about this because of her past, as well as her problems with her addictions, and at this point, I seriously don't know what to do. So my boyfriend and I have been dating for one year. We live together in a house, and we have both had our share of long-term relationships, and we are pretty serious about each other, and make plans for our future together. My boyfriend has a female friend of 20 years that I'm going to call Jane. That's not her real name. To give some background, they dated for a couple of years in high school and in college, but things fell apart. But even despite that, they did stay close friends throughout the years. I knew this when we started dating and I didn't have a problem with it. And that's because I knew that they were just friends. She lives in his hometown and we live in a different state, so it really wasn't an issue. But in the last few months, we have started to have issues surrounding their relationship. Jane is in a rough place in life. She has an ongoing addiction and a lot of problems in her life. She doesn't have many friends and a few months ago she quit her job and was worried about having a place to live. My boyfriend offered to let her live in his camper van stating that he could drive it to her no problem. But I told him that I don't think that was a good idea, especially considering her addiction problems and how that may result in unfavorable consequences. He ended up agreeing after he offered it to her but didn't communicate that to her and instead waited for her to turn it down, which he thought that she would. She eventually ended up moving in with her dad. And when that happened, things were starting to really go poorly there. And since then, she has had several emotional breakdowns, calling my boyfriend, saying all these awful things. I felt really bad for her. But at the same time, she wasn't seeking help for her addiction or her problems, and she did not have a job. She was really stressed out about being able to pay her bills. So my boyfriend ended up giving her some money, which did total to a few hundred dollars. I told him that I don't think that's a good idea since he could be enabling her rather than helping her. And eventually he ended up agreeing. A few weeks later, he visited his hometown and they hung out. She has been doing odd jobs, but she is still struggling. He offered to give her money again after she said she was stressed out about bills, but she turned it down. I was so upset that he didn't keep his boundary as well as his original decision. But whatever, I can't decide what he chooses to do with his money. Last night, she called him again crying, telling my boyfriend that the people she lives with are treating her badly. From what I understand, her family is awful. And today, my boyfriend asked if I would be okay with her living with us. And when he said that, I got really upset. From my perspective, it seems like they have a very codependent relationship. My boyfriend is the type of person that wants to help people, but at the same time, I don't think it's healthy that he's her only friend and that he's willing to offer to her a place to live in our house, knowing that we see things very differently. From our conversations, it seems that my boyfriend feels some sort of responsibility to help her or to save her. In fact, just the other day, he said that he doesn't think she's going to change, and then today, he wants to let her move in. I think it is his choice, and I really can't and shouldn't try to control what he does. I even told him that I could move out so she could move in, but I honestly don't see us all living together as a possibility. I also told him that we would definitely need to set boundaries, like her getting a job as well as professional help. I don't currently have the emotional capacity to do all of that right now. I know for a fact it would affect my mental health, but my boyfriend says that I don't really know her and that I'm making assumptions about their relationship because I just don't know her. I've never met her or talked to her. And while I understand that is probably influencing my perspective, but at the same time, I think that I can see things that he can't because he's too close to it. In past conversations about her, he's become really defensive especially when I mention the idea of him enabling her. I'm fine with him talking to her and supporting her as a friend, but I feel like this requires
request has really crossed the line. I want to respect his choices and their relationship, but I feel that this will probably be an ongoing issue. I wonder if I'm overreacting or something like this. Honestly, overall, I'm really unsure of what to do or how to handle it. I personally think that this friend moving in with you and your boyfriend would be a massive mistake. Like, this person doesn't need a place to live. They need, like, rehab or some kind of professional help. And moving her problems from one state over to where you live is not going to solve anything. Because really, it's just going to give you a front row seat to her life falling apart. And sure, you have compassion for this lady's situation, but you know what? You can't possibly bear the brunt of that and be expected to carry somebody along who you've never met and basically don't know in the slightest. I personally find it very unfair that your boyfriend is pushing this on you, and I think he really does need to come to his senses. There's literally only so much you can do, and hopefully when you talk to him about this, he can try and see where you're coming from. My group project members absolutely do nothing all semester long, and as a result of me talking to the professor and talking her through exactly what's going on, all of my lazy team members got F's on that assignment, and I was able to get out with an A. Here's what happened. So a few years ago, when I was doing my undergrad, I was in a level 300 marketing class. In the beginning of the class, we were assigned groups that we were supposed to work with throughout the semester. We were to put together a marketing proposal for a local professional sports team, and we would pitch it to them as part of our final grade. Every topic we were learning in class was to be directly applied to our marketing strategy. And the whole semester, our professor would basically walk us through from beginning to end on how to put it together. So early on, we divvied up our roles for each person. There were about seven people in our group in total, so there was plenty of help to be had for the different parts of the project, or at least there should have been. We would meet up weekly, and early on, a lot of it was just kind of roundtable discussions about what direction we wanted to take it. But as the semester went on, we started to notice some people were falling a bit behind. Each person falling behind apologized and assured us that they would get it all done when it was due. They gave excuses like they were just swapping other projects or classes or all that other stuff. Fast forward to the final week, and this is when we were to put all of our separate parts together and make it all mesh. And guess what happened with some members of the group? They didn't do a single thing all semester. They might have had some tally points on the subject, but it was far from a completed project, and it was basically something any middle schooler could have lined out. And when I saw this, I was furious. I and a few others in the group had spent a lot of time doing the research and putting it all together in a presentable form that was sure to impress not only my professor, but the marketing team of the affiliated sports group. The other reliable members of the group and I spent a lot of late nights working together just to cover for the other lazy teammates that we had to basically carry across the finish line. But alas, it was too little too late, and we were not going to be able to submit something presentable by the deadline. And I definitely did not want a bad grade for the amount of work I put in, for not only my portion of it, but for the portions of those who didn't do anything. So I met with my professor during her office hours and asked for a deadline extension, to which she replied by saying, absolutely not. I made you aware of this project on day one of the semester, so you have quite literally all semester to work on this. Why would you fall short of the deadline and need an extension in the first place? So I explained the situation to my professor, who graciously understood what I had gone through. She asked to provide a list of all the members of my team, as well as exactly what and how much to the project they had contributed, and gave us an additional 24 hours to submit what we could. She said that she would take what I told her into consideration. Come the day of the presentation, and our professor was walking around with the marketing professionals that we were to present to, and I think she was listening closely to each person's part of the presentation just to verify 
clarify what I had told her. Some of us knocked it out of the part on our portions, and others very quickly glanced over the topics. It was pretty evident who was a contributor and who was just a leech. About a week later, once final grades were posted, our team group chat was flooded with messages, screaming that some of us got an F, claiming that we had a great marketing proposal and that professor was nothing but a jerk. But you know what? In the end, I got an A. And hopefully that will teach my other team members that next time they need to put some work in. Otherwise, they're just going to fail. The original poster did the right thing in this situation. They worked on this all semester. They worked so hard to get this together and their teammates basically let them down. So going to that professor is absolutely the right choice. I would refuse to let my grade go down the drain simply because my team members didn't do their job. I mean, how is that fair in the slightest? You put all this work in all semester just for everybody else to not do their job? Seriously though, the people that didn't do their job and didn't work on their stuff from the beginning of the semester absolutely deserve that F. And hopefully the next time they have to take this class, they take this seriously. Because otherwise, chances are they will just fail again for literally doing nothing. Thanks for watching. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications so you never miss a video. To finish listening to all the stories, use the playlist at the top of the description. And if you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably going to love Am I the Genius. Check it out in the description below and subscribe.